Welcome to Puns and Potions. It's your favorite actual play D&D podcast powered by Patreon and people like you. It's the middle of the night. Well, I mean, it could be considered like potentially extremely early morning. And Avalon on his watch has been summoned forth away from his group uh, into the company of a one Vasily von Holtz. A few words were kind of exchanged. Silence was brought over the rest of the group so they could not be interrupted. And it is seeming that he has challenged you to a duel of sport, um, not one of direct combat. Specifically, three points foil on your mark. Now, this is going to be a little, not like rules intense, but there's adding a little couple little doodads, right? So the way this is going to work is every round, we're going to both roll initiative to determine who goes first. So then, you know, let's say you roll higher the first round, you take your attack, I take mine, and then we roll again, right? Now, the interesting thing is, throughout this match, you, Willie, in control of Valen, mm-hmm. have one D4, D6, D8, D10, and D12, which you can roll on top of your normal roll to add to the hit. Okay. Or... When defending against a hit, add to your AC. Okay. Oh, man. And it's three points it. foil, like, just three points wins? Foil, yeah. So foil specifically, touching the tip of the blade to the torso of your opponent. Right. Okay. Your opponent, in this case, Basile von Holtz, has a couple things up his sleeve too, but it's a little bit different than rolling dice. I will, however, reward creativity if you want to try and do something wild. Because I know you love to do that. Okay. <laughs> and of course, all of your normal, nor, all of your normal bardic stuff are is is in play. All right. Obviously. All right. Okay. Let me. Okay. Hmm. Okay. All right. I'm gonna assume that you have a rapier or some sort of non light based sword. Yeah. I'll whip. I'll whip out some from the bag. I'll like lean toward lean into it and be like, "Buddy, I'm gonna need a rapier right about now. Please." <laughs> uh, I. Yeah, roll a D100 for me. <laughs> Amazing. Best purchase ever. 96. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you hear a voice back. It, it, it kind of yawns. And it's like, that's ah, really late at night for a sword, but sure. And then you get the hilt in your hand. Appreciate it. All right. Have a joy. On God. What was your initiative roll? 18. Okay. You do go first in this round. Okay. And it's just a regular attack for me? Correct. Do I treat it as an unarmed strike? or No, you roll with a rapier, whatever your additions are to the rapier. And then you can choose to add one of your bonus dueling die. But you only have one of each for the entire match. And they are expended upon use of attack or defense. So keep that in mind. Right. Uh, One second. I'm just adjusting to the fact that I'm carrying a normal... Right okay, that's a 22, normally. Okay. Yeah, you attempt to strike. It's going to add a D8 to his AC. So you can add the, which... di- the dice after the fact? Yeah, and that goes both ways. That cool. goes both ways. So cool. if you know you're going to miss, you can add it then. Or if you know he's going to hit, you can mm-hmm. add then. In the Spirit of Transparency, his base AC is only 16. But with a roll of the D8, that's a 7. So he's at a 23. So he just bests you. So he sends off the first attack. And then he will try and repost. Um, oh, there's. Is your AC still 18? Yes. I'm going to write that down just for ease of all the math. 
that's a 17, so he's going to miss by default. Okay. And he's not going to add anything. In reposting and then kind of attacking with you, he will continue this kind of dance and conversation. So you're the one and only heir. Do I have that correct? And then I'll have you roll initiative again. You said you're the one and only heir to have that? He He's, he's asking, you're born of a noble family. Are you the one and only heir to your family? I reply to that by saying, huh, I guess you don't know everything. Uh, that is a only a 12 for initiative. He bests you by one again with a 13, so he'll take his first attack. Cool. Which is an eight. And even in adding anything, he won't be able to hit that. So he's okay. kind of going sloppy a little bit at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, regardless, it must come with high expectation. Of course it does. Do you relate is the question. Um, that is 25. Nice. I rolled a 19. In that situation, the only thing you can do is add a D8, but even that wouldn't approach a D, uh, 25. So yeah, sloppy. He's just trying to kind of get you off of your mind games with your clear focus and you nail one point upper shoulder. So that is one towards the volume. Nice. And as I put the blade, like as I poke him in the chest a little bit, I look at him, there's a brief moment of like, maybe I can relate to this guy. And I just look at him with like a somewhat sincere look and go, do you enjoy it? Did you enjoy it? And I retreat my blade. I'll have your own initiative again. That's a 12 again. It's a 20 on the die. So he'll go first. Okay. Coming right back at you, right as you retract the blade, he's going to uh, try and pounce in. That meets after the addition of the D8 to 18. 18? Correct. Okay. Yeah, I'll add my D4. Okay. That's a two, so no go. You, in the last minute, start to reassess and kind of deflect his blade. Just kind of, It almost grazes you just a bit. I can relate in more ways than you would think. You're not the only one that knows how to run away. And let's be honest. You're burning in hell instead of upholding your title because you think you were looking for her. But you were running. And you just got lucky. I'll have you roll your initiative again. Another 20 on the die. I got a 19 plus 4, but that's a nat 20, so you go. You would actually go... Well, sorry, the math. You're good. <laughs> yes, he has a twenty. He has a 24, you have a 23. So yeah, yeah he would go. he goes. Uh, that would be a miss with a 16. Okay. That is a 12... I'm gonna add my, I'm gonna add my D8 to it. And make sure you're adding your bonus to the rapier. Oh well. yeah, like your dex I'm, or whatever. I'm a fool. Yes, I haven't been doing. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's twelve plus six plus two, so that's twenty total. In you taking an attack towards him, he is going to force you to make a dex contest. Dex contest. Yeah, like a like a uh, okay, like a dex saving throw would be fine. That is, wow, I'm rolling really fucking well. That's a 22. And I'm rolling really bad. Let's go. Two on the die. Okay. So you kind of come at him, and it is one of those things where he kind of lets it go to the last minute, and then he attempts to uh, deflect closer to your hilt and get you to, to disarm. And he just slips off of the edge of it, and you catch him again, more centered on the chest. Once again, sword to his chest, I go, yeah. I did run. I thought I'd be running until the end of my days. But I, for once, want to stay and fight. I realize now that there are too many people that 
need protection, that need saving. What do you fight for? Initiative again. Oh my god. 18 plus 4 is 22. I'm not kidding. 19 on the die. Fuck! <laughs> uh, that's a, an 18. Even. That meets... Um... You've used your 4 and 6, correct? I've used my 4 and 8. I have... Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'll just... I'm debating whether or not I want to let him have this one. I think I'll let him have this one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So he he can sense uh, in uh, in the way that you're carrying it that you're starting to play with him a little bit. And he knows that his attack is a little sloppy, but you've let him kind of get the best. So that's one point his way. That's a difficult question to answer. I'm not really fighting for anything that I want. The problem is that a previous version of me made a deal that I do not wish to uphold, and I'm bound by it. So here I am. Another 19 plus 4, 23. I'm kissing this die. This yeah, die no, is doing me wonders right die. now. What, what was it total? 23. That's a twenty-two. So in defense, he's gonna force you to make a strength save. Seventeen plus zero is seventeen. I'm not. I wish I had a camera on this right now. Natural twenty on the die. <laughs> okay. So he doesn't just he doesn't disarm you, but you get closer, and then he gets a little bit not necessarily regulation rules on this mm-hmm. sidestep, and then a shoulder check that kind of backpedals you a, a little bit of a distance from him. Okay. Whether you're fighting or running, you're still denying the expectations of your family. So tell me how that feels. The only family I have is here with me right now. And she is now set in her ways, as am I. Initiative again. (laughs) Okay, that's a nat one. (laughs) It was bound to happen. 17 on the die. Okay. 17 on the die again for a 21. Okay. I can't. Oh, 21. Yeah, you okay. Can, I'm you can for attempt sure. To defend, yeah. yeah, I'm adding my D10 to that. Okay. That's a nine on the D10. So, yeah, for sure. And whatever deals your past self have to make, I'm sure that if we resolve all of this and Brovia is freed, then you won't have to be tied to anything. You're not giving us anything to go off of. If you, if I don't understand what this is, if it's a plea for help, if it's a Another pawn you're trying to move in a game you're playing? I just want to understand you. I spent so long not trusting you. But now for the first time, I'm willing to understand. You may make your attack. 17? 16 base AC, adding a 1 to his AC. Gonna force you to make a dex save. Is he, like, doing something to me physically? Yes. He's attempting to disarm you again. Can I try some debauchery? <laughs> what do you want to try? I want a dimension door behind him <laughs> when he does oh. that. <laughs> Okay. Make the save. Okay. First. Because dimension door is not a reaction spell. Right. So I would if need I'm... to do the thing and then, yeah. Okay. Um, it is a 14 plus 6, 20 on the deck save. He doesn't force you to disarm, but he does deflect. Okay. You may now dimension door if you would like. Uh, I'll dimension door behind him. Okay. And then try to like kick one of his legs to bring him down on his knees. I will say 
roll initiative with advantage, which I don't even know if that's technically a thing, but... Uh, 21. Okay, yeah, and he rolled a 6 on the die. So I will then have you uh, roll... Uh, I would say athletics or acrobatics is your choice, and then I'll have him roll a dex save. Can I add one of these dice to that, or are you not going to allow that? Uh, I will say no, because okay. it's it's specifically tied to doing like a, a roll, dual attack. Okay, roll an 18 on that anyways. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll see where we go. 11 on the die only brings him to at least a 15-ish, so not enough. So yeah, you, you boomf and come up behind him, and then like a kick to the back of his leg, so he just kind of goes down to one knee. And then I'll have a roll initiative for the round. That's a nine. That is a ten. Six on the die. Hmm. While, like, sorry, as I, like, knocked him down and I see he successfully kind of went down a little bit, you keep trying to play dirty with me. You keep trying to find ways to make things work, when in reality you can't play fair. You say that as he's going down, and then he goes to stand up and spin on his heel to go for another attack, and in doing so, this isn't a plea for help. It's an agreement. Because for you, it may have been your father bearing down on you, or your home. But for me, it's my body, my very blood. I'm not trapped in expectation. I'm in someone else's skin. He will attempt to attack. And in getting up, he's apparently not doing too hot, so he's going to miss. Okay. I'll give you... I'll put it this way. I'll give you advantage if you're trying to lean the conversation a specific way. Like, I'll give you a social bonus. If the next thing you want to say, you want to try and persuade him or convince him something one way or the other, mm-hmm. or I'll give you a bonus to the round since you did some debauchery, as they say. So you, you're you either giving me a bonus to the conversation or a bonus to the yes, action. or the fight. Um, bonus to the conversation, for sure. Okay. He mentions that he's trapped in, his, in someone else's skin, that it's not his body. I'm just going to look at him and just... Let out like a bit of an exasperated sigh and just go, Von Holtz, just tell me how I can help. What is this agreement? You may make your attack. 17? Is that going to do it? Uh, it would hit him, but he's going to try and defend. A 19 will do it, total. That being said, you know the result, so you can, if I think you have the remaining D6 and 12. Correct. You can add one of those if you want. He will also technically get a response then if you do attack him, but or successfully hit him. I rolled my d6. That is a four. Okay. So. And your original roll was? It totals what? to 20. So it was 13 plus... No, 13 plus four is 17. Plus four mm-hmm. now is 21, actually. And he would have been 19, 24. Okay. Uh, I'll have you make a strength save against his athletics. It's not super high, but last-ditch effort. <laughs> Uh, 16. This is ridiculous. I don't think I've ever rolled this well at D&D in my life, period. I'm going up and down a lot on this. So the way this plays out, he basically spins, he goes to do like a sloppy attack, and you deflect, repost, you kind of go in, and then he repositions, and it looks like it's it's not going to hit, and then he gets a little too cocky, and he goes to try and check you away from him again. And then you find that opening in his footwork, and it's a final point on his, uh, basically, right underneath his collarbone. And I'm just going to actually, if I mm-hmm. may, stop just before touching him. Okay. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna have the point of the blade be like maybe half an inch from his body and just stay there still and just look at him. Yeah, and he also in I mean this is moving very quickly. Obviously you're talking so like, yeah. mess with the time a little bit, but let's ignore that. Uh you're going back and forth with these attacks and constant motion, this little dance you guys are doing, especially with dimension dooring and spinning around and all this kind of stuff. And in that moment where you go and he you both realize that you could win in this moment. You're that half inch or whatever away. And there is that very still second of silence where you both stop moving. And then he just leans into your blade. He almost pivots just slightly in his motion that he stopped, just kind of leans so that it connects. And you just see it slightly push against the fabric of his clothing, which at this point start off very fanciful when you saw him in Valky and has since degraded uh, as you've seen his state of being kind of degrade and the blood and the dirt and everything. Yeah. And as the blade kind of pierces that, you start to see like a rippling of an illusion as those clothes that he's wearing don't change, but this body that he's in, this form that he is wearing starts to kind of change. And this very elven, um, sleek, uh, although now disheveled figure, starts to go much more human. His hair, uh, while long, is even longer and jet black. In that stillness moment where the illusion is broken, you find that it is now a very broken down, relatively older version standing in front of you, of Sergei von Tsarevich. Oh boy. You've only ever seen him in the visions, but he is now somehow past death, past centuries upon centuries of age, standing in front of you. And in that moment of stillness where he's revealed, your companions aren't the only ones in this valley with curses and disguises. I, 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 I'm shocked. I'm not saying words. I take like a half step back. How? Why? I, I saw your memories. I saw, I saw who you used to be. I, and then I like make eye contact with him. These are like sunken, very, very tired eyes. I take a step forward. I take another step forward. And I just reach out a hand. Like you're going to shake his hand? Yeah. Or like you're going to hit him? No, it's to shake his hand. Okay. <laughs> just, hey, I'm just you know, and It's in a bald fist, ready to <laughs> uppercut him. No. <laughs> Open hand. Almost like I'm Avalon in his brain. All of the, the, the emotions from seeing um, Strahd's memories and Sergei and their relationship. And it sucks what Sergei went through. Because um, he didn't deserve that. None of these people deserved it. He's kind of a victim. And maybe this is his way of trying to set things right. I don't know. but With your hand outstretched, before he takes it, I will offer my assistance threefold. And lucky for you, you can just reciprocate once. And then he will shake your hand. Clearly matching the form. There's no more facade. 
Well, I'm glad you could trust me at least with this. What do you need? He releases your hand and then he takes a step back and he, you've known this man, although he maybe, maybe was putting on a show before this character, but you see, he starts to present a little bit. He's kind of pacing and looking around the environment and that sort of jovial nature that you saw way back is still somewhat present here, although it's buried. You intend to slay my brother. I understand that. There's plenty of people would love to. We're not going to do so simply, let alone arrive safely to his doorstep or navigate the desecrated halls of Ravenloft. So if you agree to help me, uh, I can offer invaluable additions to that cause. Firstly, this carriage, it's going to take you along the main roads. It's going to make the whole way around the valley, essentially, and it's going to pass through Valaki. The horses are meant to walk very specific routes. Right. Now outside Valaki is the Vistani, led by a very vindictive Luvash. He will not fail again. They underestimated you last time. Small force. Luvash and Aragal thought they were going to have fun in the situation. They tried to battle you on a fucking bridge miles off of the ground. Truly a poor place for a battlefield. I'm sure they wanted to drop at least two mm. of you off of it. Yeah, I got that inkling. It's It's honestly quite ridiculous. <laughs> That's not going to be the case this time. The full force will hit you on that road. You will not win. So this is point one. I'll hold them off. Meanwhile, you ditch the carriage. You head directly east. There's a tower, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Old road, basically gone. In it is my second offering. Inside the tower, there's a mechanism. It's built by a very old wizard by the name of Kazal. Not as old as me. Well, you understand. Mm-hmm. Old. The magic that powers this device, it's the same type of magic that allowed Rahadin, which I'm sure you're acquainted with now, mm-hmm. and Lasaga, kind of saw how that one was going, to sustain their memory across lifetimes. Rahadin is a dusk elf, very particular pompous ass, but he didn't live centuries upon centuries. It's much more than one elven lifetime. So you'd ask yourself, well, if he died and he was reborn, he forgot everything, like everyone else in this godforsaken place. Makes sense. How did he maintain his rank? Right. The same kind of thing. And at this point, he stopped pacing. And he kind of reapproaches you back in the center of this tiny little outcropping, standing directly in front of you, and points past you, just off in space. My brother requires one condition of victory. And then that finger spins back to your group. And you're about to death march her directly to Ravenloft. And then the finger that is pointing at the group comes up with a flat hand to just say, like, relax for a moment. And he reaches into this kind of overcoat jacket thing to an interior pocket. And out of it, he draws a tiny little glass vial. He's just holding it between two fingers. Divide her mind with the machine. She will forget what's been going on. And it will do well enough to hide her from Shad as long as you can win. And if you win, you can go back to it, break it, and she'll remember everything. And the great thing is, if you lose, 
she'll hopefully die perfectly normal, cooped up, innocent life. And when her soul is reborn in this plane, the machine will break it itself. And all of her memories will go back to her and she gets a second try. It'll just be without all of you. <laughs> I, I'm still here. <laughs> Yvonne's looking at the ground, arms crossed, just like Willie is right now. Reasonable. Okay. Is this the thing you ask of me? We haven't quite gotten to that part yet. In all honesty, this is in your best interest. I'm offering this information to you because you won't be entering the tower without the command word. So whether or not I tell you that it's there or not, until you agree, it doesn't do you any good. I see. Do you think she should at least have a say? It is her fate. And I understand it's Strahd's goal. But we're not pawns in a game, Sergei. We're people. And I understand that to win wars, you have to make hard decisions, but... You'll feel lifeless after the war is done if you've made one too many hard decisions. I'm not saying you end her life. I'm not saying you lock her up in a prison somewhere. I'm saying... I understand you're saying it's an act of mercy. You hide her, and then if you think you can win, you get her back. I understand. Because if you honestly believe that people aren't pawns in this game of dark powers and gods and things far beyond this little realm, then you surely don't understand that if he succeeds, there's no more desperation. There's no more doubt in all of the ages of Barovia to come. And whatever that thing is that he made a deal with, that has been waiting and waiting, will stop waiting. And this battle will spill far outside of this place. He will hold so tightly to this one desire that he has finally achieved until all of the planes collapse. This is the final signature on the contract. He finally gets what he wants, and he gives everything else over to it. Avalon, without making eye contact, will take the potion and put it in his pocket. Yeah, it's just an empty vial. You, in observing it, you can... I don't know really how much the light there is because you've got dark vision at this point. So I'll say maybe it's catching the fire from a slight distance. You just catch a gleam of it. And it does have this sort of like not purely glass sheen to it that it seems as though the material that is made up, um, like tempered it, is slightly infused with something. It doesn't look like clean, straight, clear glass. And he takes a couple steps back. And without reaching into his coat pocket almost out of like a magical uh, dimension in his wrist, he flips another vial, identical to the first one. Right. Either way, do what you will. Even then, the battle has only just begun. And if you want to know how to finish it, then I need your commitment to my end of the deal. Go on, then. Holding the second vial, when he has truly fallen to ash, I request just a small portion. That's all. Can I ask why? Details of the matter are something I'm not willing to discuss. But for what I'm offering, it's a very small exchange. See, I understand we, you know, formed this whole trust thing, and I'm taking in everything you say. I understand it's a lot. But right now, there's no guarantee that you won't use that for any nefarious purposes. Can you at least tell me that it won't be nefarious? He... 
starts to look up at the sky and just presents a mild wash of frustration and impatience. If I wanted to do something nefarious, I would have done so already. This is me not being nefarious. Okay. Sorry. Testing the waters and all that. That deal that I told you, some long-gone reincarnation of me made. It's key to fixing that. This is breaking those binds. All right, old man. I'll help you get your rest. And uh, I take the second vial from him, I guess. You take the second one. Just kind of claps his hands a little bit just to kind of rid himself of that, kind of gets on the coat. Just kind of readjust and realize that he maybe lost a little bit of his (laughs) posture. Fantastic. Well, then let's get down to the nitty gritty. Obviously, you go off, you go to the tower, you decide what you're going to do. You eventually get to the castle. You make your way in, and that's just a whole other matter. I hope you figured out mapping that out or whatever. That's not really my situation. We'll figure that out. The truth of the matter in there is that while the heart of the castle beats, my brother will stand injury to an unnatural degree. So eliminating that will hopefully take your task from completely impossible to mostly improbable. Sorry, repeat that part one more time. Really high tower. Sort of fleshy, kind of also a gem, big heart. Okay. Works through all the stones. Mm-hmm. Keeps him from feeling pain. Ah. Old tinkering project from Rahadin who wanted to protect Strahd. Okay. You might think, great, we do that. Kill him. Fantastic. Well, then you're going to need to go from the tallest tower all the way back down into the basement. Because even when you destroy his form... You know this. Vampires love to just come back. They love sucking blood. Garlic, running water, that kind of thing. Not so much a problem. But while his coffin remains intact, even if you kill him, his spirit's going to wander the halls and then find its way back and construct a new host. You thwart that, the improbable task becomes implausible, but possible. Got it. That sounds reasonable. I think so, if we can achieve it. Well, I certainly hope that you do, because I really don't feel like having this conversation with another group a hundred years from now. No. Glad to hear you trust us that much, then. I wouldn't call it trust as much as reaching the end of my rope. I'm sorry for what you've been through. I mean that. He looks at you. And in the moment that he looks like he might be speaking up to say something possibly sincere, or maybe just twist the knife a little bit more, you see him kind of blink hard and then like twist his head off, like kind of to the side, sort of in a retching motion, which feels similar to what you kind of witnessed when he was like potentially going to attack you guys in front of the Amber Temple. Right? It's that like sort of jerky fighting off like an inherent muscle. And then it kind of clears, and he looks back at you. I don't need your apologies. But we've been speaking too long. I can feel it waking, so I have to go. Our blades won't clash for points this time. And then one more time, he just kind of blinks, and he just, like, straightens his shoulders back. Deep breath. And turns 180, so that his back is through. Until next time, Sergei. We'll set it right. If there's a next time... You didn't do your job well enough. Good luck. And as he is saying that, the signature move 
hand reach out, sort of magical doorknob stepping into his hand. And as he grips it, the door, and then it encapsulates him and just swirl into the middle of the air until he's a single dot that just flicks away like a piece of dust. I told you we'd get to the details later. Well, that time is now. This mix of dice and bad jokes is an actual play D&D podcast run by five Twitch streamers gone rogue, prepared to bring you lovable characters, meaningful narrative, and more laughs than you signed up for, but it can't exist on its own. Puns and Potions is made possible by the loving support of our supporters over on Patreon. From perks such as getting ad-free episodes, early access, exclusive merch, and personal shoutouts, you too can reap the benefits of a loving patronage to this very podcast over at patreon.com slash potions. That's puns, A-N-D, potions. For just one singular dollar a month, you can keep this fantasy alive. Now, to our other sponsors. For us at Puns and Potions, community is a big part of what we wish to represent, and one friend and community member I want to throw at you today is Astral Dice. Full disclosure, I personally had a hand in the creation of Astral Dice, and it will continue to be a long-standing partnership. But just like the PMP crew, my Astral sets are the only thing I use to roll, and that's the truth. They're a handful of guys homebrewing dice sets out of their homes, because like us, they're super passionate about role-playing games, and can't accept just some mass-produced dice they bought from a hobby shop. They craft new sets when life allows it, and post them online for you to snatch up, or just admire the designs. So it'd be cool if you went and checked out their website, astraldice.com, or followed them on Instagram, at theastraldice. Thanks for the time, now back to the puns. And now that your watch has ended, you may wake up Beatrice. I'm going to wake up Beatrice, but not say anything at first. I think I'm just going to go to bed. Beatrice, I will have you roll perception for your watch. Gladly. Uh, 13. You hear a voice in your... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) There's a stillness in the air. It's, you know, you see not the sunrise, but just kind of the warming of light through potentially miles of fog. And things kind of go... Totally normal, as if it was a completely unassuming night and following day. To which your party, Gertrude, and Dahlia awaken. And you mean do whatever you like. Avalon's probably going to wake up a little later than everybody else. Gertrude's probably going to complain about how uncomfortable it was to sleep on the ground. I'm going to roll my eyes. Yeah, I thought you'd be used to it. We used to travel like this. You'd be surprised how fast you get reacquainted with like having a real bed. I can only imagine. I'm just thankful to be out of that temple and out of the snow. Yeah, it's nice to like not be fighting things for a while. Just hanging out, relaxing, being out in nature. It's great. That Amber Temple was it was it was a, a rough couple of days. That's all you know. As we're all just kind of enjoying this morning, I will pull Bear aside and I will pull out the ring that I've been working on mm-hmm. and say. Bear, I know it's no flower, but I've been working on this for you as a way to maybe protect you and to help you when 
you get us in a sticky situation is my thanks for many, many times of you saving my butt. I mean, yeah. I'll just... That's what friends do, right? Indeed. What What does this do? When you're in trouble, then I can use some of my magic to come out of this ring, and it'll be like a shield for you. And it, will it look like I'm magic? Kind of, yeah. Oh my god. I could pretend that I'm magic and trick people and be like, I know magic. Well... Yeah, I, 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 you gotta give me a signal or something because I gotta do okay. it. Okay, yeah, we'll work something end, out. But yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. This is awesome. It's a lot nicer than a flower, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll see that B has kept the flower. Oh yeah. And it's like in like her lapel, like buttoned. It's looking very rough now, yeah. but <laughs> it, it was already pretty rough. Like the, yeah. I was looking for a nice flower and like didn't. It was like a, it found like a dandelion yes like a... oh yes <laughs> thank you does this require attunement <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> i will spend the morning enjoying my ring and wearing it <laughs> yeah. i'll say in that time avalon would probably reasonably rouse yeah to awakenness i like i get up and sort of like come outside the tent and I assume it's a gorgeous day out, right? I mean, in terms of Barovia, for Barovia, it's a good day <laughs> in Barovian standards. It's calm. Sure. There's no monsters. Like, yeah, yeah. It's I gorgeous. see my friends yeah. hanging out, like getting excited about the ring and like just vibing. And it's as good as it's gonna get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Avalon like is just taking a mental screenshot. Because there's a fear in the back of his mind that this is the last time, maybe one of the last times, that he's going to get to see his friends like this. And he shakes it off, kind of sits down next to Bear, and I just go, what's that? Can I say, because this is funny to me, that it's one of those spinny rings, <laughs> so Bear can fidget with it? Oh my, oh, it's a fidget ring. It like yeah. rotates. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but I'm just sitting there spinning it. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my gosh. I got a new ring. B gave it to me. That's amazing. It's a friendship ring, and it, it teaches me magic, and now I know magic. Ooh, do you want to show me? Yeah, and I stand up, and I go, yeah, and I put my hand out like I'm doing something with the ring, and nothing happens. <laughs> Did I, like, sh- shake it a little bit. <laughs> Did B te- I'm still learning. <laughs> Did B teach you how to use it, or...? Uh, she she said, I have the gift inside me, and I will know what to do. Okay, okay. You'll find it. You'll find it. <laughs> Still working on it. I, like, look at uh, Dahlia, followed by Beatrice, followed by Gertrude, followed by Selena, but the contact, eye contact between Selena is a little smaller. Um, why don't we have some to eat, and uh, I have some to tell you. Actually, I have a lot to tell you. Dahlia senses, you know, a vibe. She's a mom. Yeah, she's a mom. Specifically, <laughs> mom knows. specifically a vibe, mom. Um, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Let's eat up, and then we can get moving in the carriage and just keep on going. Right. Right. I assume I don't know if anybody else is doing anything, but yeah, I'll just get in the carriage. We snack on stuff, and then I slowly. But surely 
begin to explain the events of the night. Are you leaving any details out? Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) So, so I'm going to like from the sequence, I'm going to start from the beginning and explain up to the point where I, I tell everybody it was Sergey and that Sergey wanted to make a deal. And then I pause. I pull out the first vial he gave me. In a way, I didn't understand why Sergei did what he had to do all these years. In some ways, I get it, but he offered this to me, and I showed the bottle. What's important for him is that Strahd doesn't get what he wants. He offered this to me as a ways to prevent that as safely as possible. However, and I'm wagging the bottle, this is not a decision that I feel justified to make. And then I explain what the bottle does, and I'm looking at Selena while I do it. And then I hand it to Selena. Um, I'm gonna look at it. So, ex- explain to me this. If I take this, he said it would quote unquote split my mind. It would temporarily wipe your memory of any of this. You would live a life of an ordinary person. And be safely away from whatever we had to do to take Strahd down. And then after that, we can set your memory right again. Yeah, it, basically, the, the, the vial is empty. But going, like, going off the route, camping at this tower that you know is apparently in the middle of nowhere. He probably would have given more specific directions. But <laughs> in the tower is a mechanism that utilizes the vial. And I would know when I see the mechanism, like, Kind of what would happen, or no? How, at least how to activate it. He, yeah, what he's I, explaining in short is what Willie said. It basically takes you back to the point where you know none the wiser about what's going on, and you could appropriately hide back in the regular throes of society, um, quote unquote. I'm gonna look at the bottle, and then I'm gonna look at Avalin. I'm gonna look at the bottle again. And I'm going to take it and I'm going to smash it on the ground. Saw that coming. Yeah. <laughs> 10,000 miles away. <laughs> I'm like, you think I don't want any say in my fate? Fuck no. I want you to have a say in your fate. That's why I handed you the bottle. If I'm understanding what he was saying, though, that was to be used. It's, you know, going to get way worse for everyone. If he does get his well, hands on yeah, there's immense... I, wait, I look down, did the bottle shatter? <laughs> is it already <laughs> too late to have this conversation? I mean, is it a magic item? So that's the interesting point. You throw it, uh, put it on the ground, if you're doing this in the carriage or whatever, you throw it, and it almost comically, like, bounces. hits the ground bounces. and bounces and, like, spins. <laughs> because whatever is, snatch it. whatever is lacing the glass is is strong enough to hold whatever this mechanism is going to do with it it doesn't break it is in essence somewhat magical i yeah, i'm gonna quickly snatch it after it gets like bear but the gesture was still dramatic um i'm, I'm gonna like yeah. like you're gonna snatch it like right before i start stomping on it okay <laughs> i mean I'll, I'll probably even like take like, a, a stomp on my hand i wasn't ready for all that i'm just grabbing <laughs> picking it up <laughs> i'm like why won't it break yeah but every every it could get way worse like i understand I I don't want to decide anything. 
and I definitely don't feel good about turning you into a Gertrude, but, you know, this is... Uh, when you say that, Gertrude's like, yo, what the fuck? He's Gertrude you know and I mean. you're shot! <laughs> I mean, I get it, but still. You could, she could work for you at the bookstore. <laughs> she could take my job at the bookstore, I wouldn't have to. She could, yeah, you could go, like, do something else. I don't know. Oh this God. isn't about you, Gertrude. <laughs> Anyways. Complete serious face and just, like, stares off into the forest. Just like, all right, I guess, I guess I'm not wanted here. Oh, my God. Listen, no matter what, like, if, it, put it, put yourself in my shoes, okay? I, I get it. It sounds fucked up, but I kind of also get what he's saying like like i all he wants it. is you and if we can lock you away what's so like special were... about me that i'm gonna end the world well because you're the key to his contract you're fulfilling the contract's wishes and the moment he gets you in his clutches this is going to spread to all the known world well instead of me forgetting everything then i will end my life if it comes to it before he can end mine you're going to come back and he's going to be able to yes. do it again then that's the that's the the safety measure is the time loop of so well, could get you eventually well, this way we'll be able to repair your memory afterwards remember after the no fact, offense but i feel succeed. like we're the best bet of stopping this cycle i'm sure people have probably said that before but I, it's better than doing nothing and just saying, fuck it, I'm just going to never let him have me. You're, you're forever going to be doing this forever for all of time. Is that well, what you want do you or do you want to be free? You, OK, but do, would you believe that you stand a better chance of defeating him without me? Absolutely not. That's the problem I have is I we need yeah. you for that fight. So there's got to be some we middle do. ground somewhere. But I just want to fully talk out. The scenario here. If you had broken this vial and we could never make this option, I don't know if that's the best plan. Now, I've given this a lot of thought over the night. Sergei's perspective has always been to prevent Strahd from getting what he wants by bringing Selena, Irina, whoever, as far away as possible by making them forget. But Sergei is Strahd's brother. Sergei wants to keep his brother as intact as possible until his ultimate demise. Have we not thought about wiping Strahd's memory? Have we not thought about the fact that maybe we could somehow make Strahd forget his cause? I think he'd still be in the contract, which is the crux of the issue. But making... It's not about if the guy but is bad. But if he's not consciously aware of the fact that there's a contract to begin with... Then this place would exist forever. Or it would just be forever in this loop, and no one knows why, and no one cares, and that's it, forever. Of just a bunch of confused people living and dying in this one place that no one knows why. That doesn't sound any better. I I agree, Aval, and that's not a bad plan. I just don't know how we would even be able to do that. I feel like it would be easier to kill him than to do whatever ritual or drag him to whatever tower we need for that. I mean, it's his direction seemed pretty clear. It was... Kill his heart, kill his bed, kill him. Oh, well, that's I. We could do that, right? I want Selena there for that, though. That I I agree, and I think if we have Selena there, then Selena, you should know the fullness of what is going on. Yeah, you deserve be, that. Yeah, ignorance would be more dangerous. I, so I agree with you that 
this is not the right solution. The only reason we have a chance is because I'm aware of what's happening. It's a break in this cycle. Think about how many times I've probably done this before. I'd, we've probably done this before. I, I mean, we're here now. Are we not stuck too? Maybe I've died a hundred times here and I keep trying to do this. I mean, it's a possibility, but think about the fact that like the only reason that I... I've died in a million ways, but this one is so different because Babala Saga had a hand in it. And I've met with Strahd twice. Why would it matter if I meet him again? Just in case we lose and he gets what he wants. All, the only thing that he gave us, that Sergei gave us, is a failsafe. This is, if everything goes to shit, Strahd doesn't get his hands on you. I suppose. The same way that I gave you control over your will, the same way we're controlling the fate of everyone outside of Barovia. What if we took you to this thing, and we put all your memories in the bottle, and then we just tell you everything that happened, and then you just come along with us anyways? And then, if everything goes bad, you could get your memories back. Oh, wait, but then he would still have you, so then we still lose. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's incredibly counterintuitive. <laughs> what if I put my memories in the bottle? <laughs> Listen, at the um, end of the day, I'm willing to discuss it, but I also don't think you're going to convince me to forget myself and go into hiding. I don't want either of those things. I, both of these things sound shitty. Exactly. I think regardless, do you think that the tower is worth checking out? I think that we should probably look into anything you want to look into, and if he's telling us to go somewhere, I probably would. Do Dolly will interject motherly. <laughs> well, we at least know that the carriage is now not an option, which means we're going to have a long walk eastward towards where he said this tower was, and in, in very specific detail um, that you covered. I remember that when you said that. So everyone can kind of think about this new information in that time. And when we get there, decisions can start being discussed. I think that's fair. This isn't something that we need to do. We can't do right now. Did, did they say that we are supposed to take the cart for a little bit and then hop off? And he said the east. What, what did you say? You basically you go, go now. You basically set it on its course and then you just you let it go from here. But we're not on it. Correct. Oh, so it's gone. So it's correct. Gotcha. Yeah, you basically light it up, you slap a nightmare ass, and they just take off Tron. That's it. Does it burn your hand? Probably. Uh, where is the tower in relation to castle? Uh, where you where you are now, let's say, in this little quadrant is uh, bottom left. Directly north of you is Argon Vostholt, and directly east, some ways, is... Uh, where Babala Saga was. Mm -hmm. uh, you're basically going to go slightly north and far east. If you follow that same track, that's where you're going to get to the Vistani camp where you guys got your fortunes read in the road between the village of Barovia and Valaki. If you were to follow the whole way to the point where you got to that camp and then you went directly north and then a little bit east, that's where the castle is. Okay. So it's on the way. Yes, that's mostly what I was okay. wanted to confirm. Okay. Yeah. It's on the way. Wow. Uh, Dahlia, who has uh, realized that everyone has completely interrupted their breakfast to uh, have this conversation, um, kind of recenters you. <laughs> it's like, oh, your tea is going to get cold. And starts to sort of get the pressure off and sort of spin the conversation a little bit, redirect so that you guys can kind of just kind of refocus. 
um, back into this nice morning, and then we'll ask if you are ready to pack up camp. I think I would do one thing before we leave. Sure. I would like to commune with nature. Hey. As everyone is packing up, uh, you kind of make your way off a little bit into the forest clearing, and you begin your ritual for commune with nature. I like to imagine Bear is just going communing with nature, <laughs> like as he's like just singing a song, walking into the woods. Um, as the spell goes off, um, you realize that it is presenting itself a little bit differently this time, and there was maybe a little bit of um, disconnection from the previous place that you were casting it. Um, that is now finally realizing itself, and you notice that out from the forest clearing a bit is a bear, although it is slightly larger than a normal bear, and it is not totally corporeal. Its fur and hide is sort of a ghostly imagery, and it's created in these kind of cascading patterns of two primary colors, which is yellow and green, but there are large sections of its snout and a side of its face and like the side of its back and one of its, the majority of one of its arms that is missing. Uh, and it begins to speak to you. Hello. 